hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Good morning, Hamilton. This is Rob Golfie with Remax Escarpment, the Golfie team. Welcome to the Hamilton Real Estate Show with Rick Zamperin and Phil Golfie. Good morning, gentlemen, and good morning, one and all. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Go to robgolfie.com. It's a tremendous website, robgolfie.com, if you want to get your home sold. Remember, Golfie gets it sold. Call them at 905-575-7700. at phone number again, 905-575-7700. Check out what's happening in the community. Go to their social media feeds, at Rob Golfie on Twitter and Instagram. Like the Rob Golfie Facebook page. And if you've missed a past episode, you can always download the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast past episodes on robgolfie.com and 900chml.com. And if you have a question for the Golfie team or you have a topic idea you would like us to tackle on a future program, send us an email. That email address is questions at robgolfie.com. A host of things we're going to talk about today, including uh, the uh, one of the big stories, not only of the past couple of weeks, but maybe of the year in terms of criminal activity and real estate is money laundering in BC. Story coming out uh, over the past couple of weeks that uh, billions of dollars, that's billions with a B, is being laundered in real estate in British Columbia. Same story in Ontario. I'm sure the same case goes uh, along for uh, many other provinces in this country. And there's now a call to tighten the money laundering laws in Canada. So we'll get into that in a matter of minutes. But we'll open with uh, multiple offers. And you have a story regarding multiple offers and how they should work. But in this case, it didn't really work. Well, it, it worked, but you got to be careful how it works. Um, we had uh, multiple offers on one of our listings. And the agent that uh, their client that won the offer, which, you know, um, was uh, you know significant higher price than the asking price. Uh, the next day, the uh, agent calls and says uh, our our clients uh, are having second thoughts about buying, but they came in with a cash firm deal, mm-hmm. and uh, so they they're on the hook for this. They, so they got, we got a contract with that buyer saying. So uh, we said to the agent, I go look. Uh, it's gonna go. It's gonna go legal. Like if this person ba- backs away, we're gonna have to put this thing back on the market, and it's gonna go legal. It's gonna cost them, you know. And uh, so, um, so the, and I'll tell you the best way how to do this. Like you got any, uh, like you're gonna say something. Well, I was gonna Sorry. say two things. When, when you say it's gonna go legal, what does that mean? It means that um, the, the seller's lawyer is gonna end up selling, uh, sending a letter to the uh, buyer. Say, look. Uh, you know, you, we made a deal. Right. You, you know, we had two other offers. We skipped the other two offers, and we took yours. Now the other offers, they may not. They may have found something else, right. or they, you know, they're not interested anymore. So, um, so they, they'll they'll get a letter saying that they'll be sued if they don't uh, if they don't uh, go forward with the deal. Okay. So if they don't go forward with the deal, and and let's just leave the legal part out of it, uh, and and let's leave that bid out of it because they're probably not going to be coming back to buy the house. Right. Are, are, what are the chances that the other two offers are going to come back, knowing that it, the house is still available? If it's quick, 
like let's say the person you know it's it's quick it was done right. you know within a couple of days so time you is may huge. you may have a chance to get that other buyer back but he's not going to come back at the price that he even he came in with right you know what i mean so so now the seller is i is, mean losing both times that's right, right yeah and so so that first buyer that got the house now you know he's got buyer's remorse caused all this problem for for the seller so like the key thing is is when you're doing a mul- multiple offers um, you should always like always put down you have a certified check upon acceptance right there on the spot. Mm. So listen, everybody bring a certified check with you. Right. Because now you've got that. The next day, if they have buyer's remorse, too late. We got a check. We got the contract. We got everything. That's the best way. And always get a bigger deposit too when you're dealing with multiple offers. Always a bigger deposit. Anybody can walk away from $5,000. And suing somebody, it's... It's not. I'll tell you. It's it's expensive. It's not something you want to go through. And uh, like I mean, if it's small claims, less than twenty five thousand, yeah, you you have a good chance. But but if it's fifty thousand or eighty thousand dollars, believe me, the bigger the big winners out of there are usually the lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, regardless of the money, time and hassle goes around with it, and, and the stress that goes with it too. Those, oh, those, well, those are all factors. We just had one. You're not going to believe this, Rick. Uh, a realtor. Put uh, an offer. Oh, <laughs> this is funny. This is unbelievable. This is funny. So he puts in an offer on this condo that we have okay. downtown, and and he comes in, you know, eighty thousand above asking price, right? But he puts his name or assignee. Apparently, he had apparently he had a client that was going to buy it. So the realtor put it under his name, and he was going to assign it to whoever his client is. Right. Well, I guess that. Client walked away. We don't away. know the backstory. We don't know the backstory of that end. So he calls us up like a week before closing and said, I can't close. And we're going, buddy, you are a realtor. I said, you put this together. I says, not only you're going to get sued, but you're going to get in trouble with the Real Estate Council of Ontario. Right. I said, you got, you're in bigger trouble than, than the average person. <laughs> yeah. So why would a realtor in that case... Put his name on a line. Yeah, we have no idea. We have no idea. No idea. So that's way out of the norm. Way out of the norm. I, w- I would never do that. That's so the odd. reason why somebody would put you know a name and then and then put or assignee is usually a lot. You know, some people have different corporations. Right. Yeah. They don't know which corporation they're going to put the 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 property the, under. The property okay, under. That makes sense. So they'll they'll you know prior to closing or or on closing date they'll pick. And, and and adjust which which property that's going under. We see a lot of people do that. Sometimes you'll see somebody um, they'll put or assignee, and that's to add additional names. Yeah. Um. For example, if you're drawing up an offer and, and say there's a presentation time, but all the parties involved can't get to the can't get to the offer and you know sign the papers or or you know put together the agreement, they'll add or assignee to be able to assign additional n- names at a later date right. to go on the offer. Now. We have no idea in terms of why this realtor drafted this agreement the way he did, or 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 what. But it's it's so personally, he he personally contractually binded himself to that agreement. Mm-hmm. He's on the but, hook for it. But he we, is on the hook. But I think he expected it to 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 sign it to somebody else, or or t- we don't know the backstory behind yeah, it. Right. Yeah. But but he, you know, a week yeah. before closing, he says he can't he can't close on it. Yeah. And we just and we just had our uh, lawyer send uh, a letter to him and said, you know, this is the this is. This is the circumstances. Mm-hmm. So not only would he have probably a RICO complaint, uh, but he probably would uh, be sued. And it's just he's better off closing the deal, 
and, and trying to sell it again, trying to sell it again yeah. or work out whatever it is. Um, it, it, the ramifications of him not closing is a lot worse than it is for him. Right. Yeah. Does this so. happen often? Uh, you know what? We, uh, it sounds no, pretty no, obscure. No, it doesn't. Cause we actually, we do sell a lot of homes and we don't see it uh, often. Uh, but I mean, he, he's, he might be a new realtor. It's he, less than 1%. Right. Yeah. 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 Do you get the sense that maybe the other person was a family member or a close friend? I think it was either a close friend or, or who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who this knows? guy really put put himself on the line for somebody else, and and now he's uh, the new or, owner or, of a or condo. He, or he's just using that as an escape code and just and just lying, right? And just yeah. saying, you know, he was supposed to assign it to somebody else, but but they, you know. They fell through, or they got or cold you don't feet, know. But, yeah, you don't yeah. know. But maybe he's, he's, he got cold feet. Yeah, he, well, yeah, yeah, might, yeah, yeah he, exactly. Yeah, he's on exactly. the hook though. He's on the hook for it. You put your name on it, you sign it, and, and uh, right. you, you better be careful. But I mean, it was 80, 80 over asking price. It was eighty over. So asking. I mean, there's there's some seriousness to that. Oh, big time, right? big time, because uh, because now if that person has to put that house back on the market, whatever the losses are from from for whatever he sells it for, from whatever he. You know yeah, the, the not, original purchase, the original grand. price purchase price was. Uh, they can go after that uh, that buyer, yeah. and and then not only that, this guy's the seller's got another house he's closing on the same day. Oh wow! Yeah, so it just it just gets uglier and uglier. Uh, but odds are, I mean, if this realtor does in fact go through with buying, he, this he property, is closing the deal. He is closing okay. the deal. Okay, so for him to resell it, there's no way. Do you think he's going to get eighty over asking? Probably not. So he's going to have to eat it for a, at least a year or two. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he's just now he owns a piece of property. He's gonna yeah. have to wait maybe a few years, and well, I guess uh, he could rent it too, or he could rent it, or move in, or or wait a few years until the you know the market catches up, or maybe maybe he might get you know uh, you know what he paid for. Yeah. It. It's hard to tell. Just back to the multiple offers uh, issue. Yeah. So you mentioned you know bringing a certified check. Uh, if you can't, is cash okay, or does cash open up um, a can of worms? You know what? Uh, cash is okay, but, I mean, you just need to do all the uh, uh, FinTrack, you know, the government forms, because mm-hmm. we have to disclose, you know, who gave us cash, right. what does the guy do for a living, where does he work. From? There's like, it's like a whole form more of loopers. everything, yeah, yeah, so they want to know all that. So, but, I mean, most people usually either do a, a certified check. So, when you're dealing with multiple offers, and you got three, four offers, and I would tell everybody come to the table with a, with a certified check. That's it. Just yeah. come. You can go back to the bank with that certified check and just get put the money back into your account. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you don't get the offer, but at least you have it there. Now the next day they wake up and they have buyer's remorse. Well, that's too bad. We got your certified check, but it's always good to get even a bigger check. Right. Like get a bigger deposit when it's multiple offers. Don't just get the five thousand dollar deposit. Get a big deposit because, I mean. Anybody can walk away from five thousand on a you know on a purchase, you know if the next day they wake up oh my oh my goodness yeah, yeah. I you know like so yeah five grand is not five grand world, people will walk away uh, you know if uh, it depends you know you know if they have a family member say hey what'd you do are you crazy you bought that place you know the house down the street sold for this right. and all that kind of stuff so if you have a client and they're selling a home and uh, you do have multiple offers as opposed to five grand how much more would you be expecting? You know a, what? So so let's say it's a four hundred thousand dollar house. Okay. You know, I, I usually put down ten thousand dollar deposit minimum, but if it's a multiple offer, I would probably ask for twenty to you know thirty thousand dollars. Okay. You know what? It and uh, and that's going to weed out anybody who's you, not really you, serious. You know what? Five percent of uh, four hundred thousand is twenty grand anyway. So they're going to have to put that down as a as a down payment right. minimum if for they're the if they're anyways. first time. So. Um, 
you know, and they're not going to walk away from twenty grand, but you know, somebody may walk away from five easily. Yeah. You know, so yeah, and, it, yeah, it's a different ballpark for sure. Yeah. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, why criminals are looking to Canada to launder their money through real estate. It is happening uh, upwards of billions of dollars uh, throughout BC and Ontario, trillions across the country. Uh, we're talking about some serious cash. Don't forget, golf gets it sold. Go online to robgolfie.com. That's Rob G O L F I dot com. Call them anytime at 905-575-7700. The Hamilton Real Estate Show continues on 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in studio this fine Saturday morning, Victoria Day long weekend. Oh my gosh, yes. uh, you know, the summer's already here. Yep. Uh, you can go online to robgolfie.com. That's Rob G O L F I.com. Call them anytime at 905 575 7700. That's 905 575 7700. Download the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And you can also go to social media. They have a great social media presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The handle is at Rob Golfie. Still to come, we'll talk about uh, Hamilton ranking high in a Remax livability report. Some interesting stuff out of uh, Remax on that front. But why criminals look to Canada to launder their money through real estate? $5 billion was laundered through BC's real estate market in 2018. Houses, mansions, whole floors of condos are acting as basically bank accounts for these, in many cases, offshore uh, individuals or corporations. Uh, international money launderers typically leave the properties vacant, driving up real estate prices, hollowing out neighborhoods, and according to the former national director of the RCMP's Proceeds of Crime program. This is a serious issue, so much it's, so. It's, it's, a, it's quite a bit of it, This is a national investigation, yeah. 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 So, I don't know. They're buying these properties. They're not opening up any bank accounts to... Yeah, this is a simple transaction. Yeah, they're from not, one and they're not renting these properties out. Yeah, and uh, but what they're doing is they are basically using a legal way to hold their money. Yeah, and to, it, and it appreciates exactly. So when they cash out, but but if they're laundering money, like I don't understand how they're getting. They, they have to get a certified check to close the deal. Like I don't know how they're bringing that money in. To, and that certified check comes from a bank, right? That's right. It's probably an offshore bank. Yeah, in many cases it is. Account. Yeah. So what they're doing is that so when they sell a property, usually the lawyer holds twenty five percent of the uh, of the equity of the house and holds on to it for a year until they do their income tax. So they can walk away and, and not do any income tax, and still <laughs> and they and they, now they got a clean check yeah, from a from a uh, a property they purchased and sold, and and they'll walk away from twenty. 25 grand, uh, I mean 25%. So yeah. if, they, if they got a, a million dollar property and it's it goes it doubles in price. Yeah, that, that 25% is, is pocket change. It's, it's nothing, nothing to them. It's nothing. Yeah. They just cleaned, you know. Yeah, they just cleaned. Yeah. Yeah, so so they'll hold on to it for five years. Let's say it's worth 1.5 million. Right. 25% of that, they still, they're still ahead of the game. Now they got clean money. Yeah. 
that goes back and into it's, their pocket. It's funny how it's not. And just, they do it all over again. It's, yeah. <laughs> but it's billions. Yes. Like it's not just one or two they're, they're or buying, three. They're this buying. Is, this is nationally or worldwide known. Yeah. They're buying Canada hundreds a, of properties. Is it you know a haven? You know a tax haven or a yeah. you know money laundering haven? It's easy. Through, and then the government in Canada is not like, apparently. Canada is pretty lenient for this kind of yeah. stuff. Well, I mean, that's that's part of the discussion now is, you know, what accidentally has to on happen. Purpose. Lenient accidentally on purpose. <laughs> yeah, right? basically. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe they want this. Yeah. Maybe the government says, hey, you know what? Well, it's making money. Money's coming into the country. We need that money. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if they want the dirty money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> Who knows? They certainly appreciate the, the clean knows? money and the well, taxable money. you know money. what? You got Trudeau legalizing marijuana. Who knows what else he's well, into? Who knows? <laughs> uh, so according to the story in the Canadian press, uh, these uh, individuals, mainly from overseas, often start mixing their uh, uh, dirty money uh, with legitimate proceeds from a restaurant, other cash businesses, and depositing them in the bank. The funds are then funneled through a series of shell companies and trusts registered in tax havens, such as uh, the British Virgin Islands. And these states of tiny corporate taxes, like Canada, offer anonymity by allowing the real or beneficial owner uh, to go undisclosed. So we don't know who these people are. They're dumping in billions of dollars into the country, but a lot of it is dirty to get clean eventually. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty scary. Yeah, no, it, it's... It's, I guess that's how they do it. So last you know. year, some $7.4 billion overall was laundered in BC. Five that's billion just of which, BC alone. That's just BC. Yeah. Five yeah. billion in the real estate market. Yeah. $47 billion across the country. Wow. Uh, yeah. And more than $3 trillion in dirty money entered the international finance system last year. $3 trillion. $3 trillion. Worldwide. Entered, I mean, like, oh, you know, we're talking worldwide. worldwide global. $3 wow. trillion. That's but this is something that corporations do. You know what I mean? This is something that, that oh, Uber yeah. Uber does. This is something that Apple does. This is something well, that, you know, those big corporations, as much as it's dirty money, it's not well, all It's not all associated to right. it's not know, organized drugs crime. and organized yeah. crime. It's, 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 you know, big corporations hiring very, well, didn't, you know, smart accountants to right. figure out ways to save How money they can tax. beat the tax. Like, well, didn't, like, didn't I, Apple I, bring in $100, mil, 100 billion from a different country yeah, back into, like to yeah. the U.S.? Yep. Like they had a hundred. Well, billion. there's there's countless U.S. companies that are over in Ireland because there's no tax. Yeah, so it's it's you know what I mean. It's figuring out ways to to kind of find the loopholes. Yeah, and, and and avoid paying taxes, and yeah. that's you know that's people get paid a lot of money to do that. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure that's going to change because now there's an investigation on how. Oh well, you know, now how that's to, hit the papers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> how to toughen up our. Uh, it's, it's crazy how much laws. like uh, you know when the figures come out, you know, and how much actual dollars it is to, to well, realize and take you know step away from the situation and say you know this is billions yeah, and when you're billions, talking billions like, well it's, it's and, and that's you know that it's a lot of money in your economy yeah. like that's that's well you know, Rick, people are buying real estate and they're saying this is how much it is in vancouver and across canada but that's what they know yeah that's yeah well, that's who knows too. what what they don't know that's true too like there's billions more so it's, it's scary. Yeah, it it's is. Scary. It is. Uh, let's move on to our next topic, which uh, is also in the BC area. This is a story out of Vancouver where college kids are living like kings in empty mansions. These are stories from a real estate market in upheaval. Uh, <laughs> Vancouver has been just uh, a roller coaster in terms of real estate. So there's uh, this article begins with a story about uh, these lucky renters who are in this, uh, I think it's like a 4,000 square foot Nine mansion. Nine bedrooms. Nine bedrooms. So one of these individuals is renting one of the bedrooms for eleven hundred dollars, 
and uh, says it's a steal because I mean this is yeah they're a, getting a luxurious a yeah, yeah exactly and they're getting yeah. one room for a thousand dollars in Vancouver yeah so um, but they got but they got the run of the whole house though of the whole house so they they rent the room yeah and then they probably share share the kitchen and share the pool and the pool table exactly. And, and the sauna and all that kind of stuff with the rest of the other uh, members uh, that are renting. So there's renting. F- there's apparently fourteen or fifteen students in this house, each with I yeah. But room. if you're if you're renting it at a thousand bucks or or, or twelve hundred yeah, grand, it's, right? that's huge money. Yeah, right. it's huge money. But do you know what kids do to houses? I yeah, know. they they destroy them. But affordable for the kids, oh, especially yeah, in a, Vancouver, where you yeah, can pay yeah. But, four grand for yeah, an apartment. No kidding. No, I. You know what? That might not be a bad idea here. <laughs> <laughs> Buy a mansion and and and, and rent, rent it each. out. But you know what? In Vancouver, I mean, the the money's there too. Like, can can you rent uh, a mansion? Uh, like, if you got a, a, a eight room mansion, eight bedrooms, and two eight kids, and and collect like ten grand a month. Right. I guess idea. it's feasible, but how many of those properties are in this city right now? That, that they would be on the they would be on the outskirts. They wouldn't be close to the right. school. So they yeah. wouldn't be close like, to the no, school. No, that in the Aberdeen area, but uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. You would get the neighbors dr- uh, shut yeah. that down. Well, that's so the fast. thing. I mean, <laughs> a you have the hassle of running after all these. Kids you don't want a space house all of a sudden rent. moving yeah, in next door. Yeah, that's the thing too. Yeah. Now you have a whole neighborhood against you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I I think you know to collect rent. But I'll tell you something. Uh, I I've sold houses that uh, there are student rentals. And uh, and and maybe these aren't all students, but I'll tell you, the, the homes get destroyed. Like you'd have to have a cleaning person there right. manage it. Like you, you really gotta, you know, get uh, get somebody there to take care of that house because so there's a lot of risk there. there there's huge risk because after after you know a couple years of of people move, uh, moving in and out of there. The damage with the baseboards, the kitchen, right. the dirt, you know, it's just, it's, Rick, I'll tell you, that whatever they make, they're going to have to put back in to renovate and to get it back right. looking to its be- good it, self again. It's easy to understand because the students have no vested interest in taking care of the property no. because they know they're only going to be there for two to four, maybe yeah, five years. Yeah. Right? I, I could see n- instead of students, maybe just. Business you, professionals. Yeah. Business, like, you know, there's a lot of doctors that are interning here at uh, McMaster. And uh, they need a place to live, and if and if it's like a ten thousand square foot mansion, right? Put you know, three or four of them in there. What are the chances? It's like living in a hotel. I was talking to this guy. He owns a uh, owns yeah. a pipe fitting company, and they do jobs all over Ontario. And, and that's what he does: is he'll go out to a new city, and he has a crew of I think twelve or thirteen, and he'll uh, he'll go rent out a big house, and and they all stay know, in the house. Yeah, they wow. all stay. In, so they'll be there. <laughs> they'll be there for you know maybe maybe two or three months at a time, and. Huh. And they all live together and go home on the weekend. And he says, it's, you know, they all eat together. He says it's fun. He says they have a good time. But same thing. He'll he'll go rent out a, a property for a couple of months. That could be like an Airbnb. Yeah. He's probably mm-hmm. renting yeah. out for a couple of months. And he yeah. says he likes it better than just, you know, being in hotels. He doesn't really, you know, really right. like the hotel um, the hotel vibe. He'd rather be in a house. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, with the hotel, you're scattered all over, especially if you have a big team like that. Yeah. yeah. Right? Might as well have that family. You got the house. Yeah. You got the backyard. You got the, yeah. you know, you got the patio. Maybe a you pool. Got, yeah. Pool, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, everything, yeah, absolutely. So back to this story on the lucky renters. So uh, with taxes on empty Vancouver homes uh, potentially adding up to about 3% in annual levies, homeowners are rushing to lease their homes, and that's leading to bargains in a city where the vacancy rate has been near 0%. From a seller's perspective, there's a story about uh, the Chinese seller. So someone in China wants to sell their Vancouver mansion. It's 8,300 square feet. Uh, could have sold last year, apparently, for $8.5 million. But with the 
you know, turnaround in the Vancouver market, it's now listed for, uh, it's listed for 10.9, but everyone is uh, asking for 6.2. Right. Uh, closer to what it is assessed at with its assessment value. Uh, she's planning on dropping the asking price closer to 8.3. So from 10.9 to 8.3, and basically the owner just says, I don't want to pay $140,000 in property taxes a year. That's right. Get rid right. of his house. Yeah, let's, right. let's, let's unload it. Yeah. And um, yeah, 10 and years. And that's what's happening all over the city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now it's catching up to them. So yeah. now, now we're your gonna, foreign buyer now now <laughs> we're going to have an, uh, an overabundance of uh, expensive homes right. coming up for sale. That no one's going to be able to afford anyway. Nobody's going to want. So now th- there's some bargain basement prices going to happen. Yeah. You'll see, and uh, so you're going to see the first one sell. You know, you got a ten million dollar house that w- was valued at one time. Now they're going to sell for five million or even four million, yeah. and uh, some you know foreign the whatever Chinese guy that owns it. Right, it's going to scoop it up for he's half just the price. Gonna, yeah. Well, and then the guy that's selling it is going to say, you know what, I'll take my losses and run and, and go on. I mean, obviously he's got enough cash to lose. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's pretty scary stuff. Yeah. Don't forget, Golfy gets it sold. Go online to robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. And call them anytime at 905-575-7700. Let's switch gears and talk about the best places to live. This is the Canada Livability Report, according to Remax for 2019, Canadians love where they live. Remax Report explores some of the best places to live in Canada. Here's some of the findings. 89% of Canadians would recommend their neighborhood to others, according to this Remax survey conducted by Leger. Uh, the latest report examined a variety of quality of life factors and how they impact Canadians' home buying decisions. Six in ten Canadians put easy access to shopping, dining, and green spaces at the top of their livability criteria. Proximity to public transit uh, at 36%, work at 30%, and to preferred schools, 18%, as well as cultural and community centers, also at 18%, fall out of the top five neighborhood wants and expectations. The proximity and availability of these uh, livability factors is so important that Canadians spend more than two-thirds of their time in their own neighborhood. This rate is higher among baby boomers compared to Gen Z, Millennial, and Gen X Canadians. So again, uh, proximity to public transit, work, and preferred schools seems to be still, no surprise, the top top criteria. Right, right. Uh, Location, 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 basically, as the saying goes. So from Hamilton's standpoint, uh, in this livability index, Hamilton earns high marks in availability to work and access employment opportunities, affordable housing, access to healthcare facilities, and easy access to bike lanes and or walking paths. And it gets a medium score on availability to public transit, uh, green spaces, big and small retail stores, which is kind of surprised because we have a tremendous amount of those, yeah. uh, economic development, population growth, number of top-rated preferred schools, and housing supply. So while housing affordability is high, housing supply is kind of medium. So there Any were, surprises there? But they mentioned the uh, Beasley neighborhood. Yes, the Beasley neighborhood that is in between John, like John and Wellington Street, and Barton and and uh, what, what is it, uh, Rebecca, or even uh, go as far as King Street. Mm-hmm. So it is affordable there. They have a community center. They got the bike lane on Cannon Street there. Yeah, um, which is undergoing renovations right, now. Yeah, but it's not it, it, it for somebody coming in from out of town. Um, it, it depends on what price point there is. The, the price point there is very affordable. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, but but is that the that won't be the first 
price point. Like where we're talking bike lanes, Cannon Street's got the, right. the bike lane going from one end to the other. But 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 every neighborhood in Hamilton is pretty well got close to something. Right? Yeah, like I mean, unless you're on the outskirts. But then in and then in uh, Dundas, they talk about uh, the Sydenham neighborhood, mm-hmm. and well, that you know Dundas is a nice little community. Right. I mean, like I mean, you ever you're within walking distance to you know that beautiful downtown core yep. there. Um, now that's more of a higher places. end, right. a higher end uh, kind of price point. But I mean, yeah, yeah. So this this report revealed that the the best places to live in Hamilton, uh, according to the top. Uh, you know, factors are the Meadowlands, which is interesting, Beasley and Sydenham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, you got Beasley for the more affordable. Yeah. And then you got Sydenham and Dundas, and then you got Ancaster for the Meadowlands. Yeah. Wow. In- it- interesting. Yeah. I didn't. Th- I didn't expect Meadowlands to be there. No. No. no, no. I thought. I thought at least Hamilton Mountain or you know like would be there. But yeah. Yeah. It's funny how they picked it. So you know, Crown Point neighborhood, which we talked about in the past. Yeah. 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 Well, so. in, interesting in terms of, you know, what people are looking for. It hasn't changed, you know. Th- the only wild card in this would be, you know, the work factor, the proximity to work. Because as we've seen in the last number of years, a lot of GTA people coming yeah. here, they're still driving to work in Th- the GTA. That's right. And they're, and they're looking for jobs here. They are looking for jobs here. Right. So. But it's still important to be close to transportation. Yeah. I guess, you know, that, that'll help in the work uh, yeah. aspect as well. we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, moving to a new city, what home buyers should do. That and a whole lot more still to come here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. My name is Rick Samprin. In studio today with Rob Golfie and Philip Golfie, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. You can find them online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call them at 905-575-7700. At Rob Golfie on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to like the Rob Golfie Facebook page and subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you download your favorite podcast. Send us an email with a topic idea or a question. That email address is questions at robgolfie.com. Again, questions at robgolfie.com. Irrevocability on an offer. Yeah, so the the irrevocability on an offer is something, every offer has to have an expiry date or expiry time. So usually when you're a buyer, you want, you, you know, when you send in an offer, you want that seller to deal with that offer as soon as possible, especially if it's a new, if it's a new listing, if it's a hot listing. You don't want to put yourself into competition with other people, and, and how you do this is is if, say if you if you're you know you're shopping for homes, you wanna you always want to deal with the offer that night. Now, what the seller might do is they might hold offers or, or ask for a a longer irrevocability time. Now, you you gotta you gotta kind of negotiate past this and, and and you know let the let the seller know that hey listen you know my offer might not be there tomorrow. If you don't look at my offer tonight, it's not going to be there tomorrow. So it puts it puts the pressure on the seller to make a decision whether they're going to deal with this offer tonight and only deal with one offer or perhaps if they might you know they might lose that offer it might not be there tomorrow or you know 
it's it's a constant negotiation factor when it comes to dealing with offers. So as a as a buying agent, what your goal is to try and, you know, give a short irrevocable time. You don't want to put your buyer into competition with other buyers. But when you're a seller, you want to try and create um, you know, an opportunity for your seller to receive additional offers. So I was on both ends of it this last or or, or let's say this week, for example. I was a seller who 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 was looking for a long irrevocable time. I had a house on Stony Creek Mountain. It was an end unit townhouse. And the agent came to me and he said, Phil, he goes, I want you to deal with this offer. You know, tonight we're looking at other properties. If you don't deal with it tonight, we're gonna go after a different one. And and I wanted to feel them out and I said, Well, you know, if your offer's good, you know, we'll deal with it tonight. But if it's not, you know, we're, we're we have a bunch of showings tomorrow. Some you know, those showings that we would like them to be able to get through to the house and be able to to present an offer. But, but they can't get through tonight. So I said, I, I go, you know, I started going back and forth with him. And I said, well, how good's your offer? He goes, Phil, I, I, I think it's a good offer. So he sent me in the offer and I had to deal with it that night because the irrevocable time was only at, at 9 p.m. Hmm. But the offer was really good. We ended up working out the deal and, and, and it was a very favorable selling price for my seller. Now I can look back and say, well, what happens if those three other parties got in through, through the next day? But this offer would have been on the tape off the table, right. right? So that's that's when you're selling uh, uh, from from the selling position, in terms of a decision that you have to make, and 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 you have to understand that, you know, deal with what's in front of you, and just because you have three showings booked the next day, it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean they're yeah. doesn't mean there's an yeah. offer, yeah. right? There's no so, guarantee. And, so and if there is, it might not be as good, exactly. Right. And, and and I mean, given my seller's position, he was, you know, he, you know, we were in a position where where not that we needed to sell, but. He was, you know, he had, he just had a newborn. He, he, he didn't want to go through the showings. Um, and, 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 you know, it ended up being a very favorable, you know, right. sale price. So he took the guarantee. So he, yeah. So we dealt with the offer that night and we said, we said to the, the people, we let them know that there was an offer that night. Um, and I said, you know, you guys can get in if you want, get in tonight. But if not, then, you know, this is the situation. So we ended up, you know, we ended up selling the house. So that was from the seller's position. Now, when you're in the buyer's position, that's what you want to do. Right, so that it was favorable for both parties, mm -hmm. but when you're in a buying position, you don't want to put yourself at risk to give a long irrevocable time so that there's other parties that can come in and compete against you. Right, right, because it puts you in a it, it, you have you have leverage when it's just one offer. Right, it gives you a strong negotiation point as a buyer, but as a seller, if there's multiple offers, that's you know when the seller has leverage and and has an opportunity to deal with you know pick and choose and negotiate with with, with what what you know what the best offer is so so when you're when you're buying you don't want to put a lot of pressure on the seller but you want to put enough pressure that that they make sure that you can they deal with it that night right so so the irrevocability time is very important when when whether you're buying or selling and it's it's a negotiation topic in terms of when your offer is going to be presented to the seller right so we got about a minute two questions uh so this this would be different than a bully offer and number two what would be the standard time for uh, a timestamp is it so, that day that night maybe one day yeah no so usually a lot of the time the offers have the the, the listing hours. has a uh, instruction in terms of how long the irrevocability time is now i i it, you have to ask the the other agent say hey listen if i were to bring you an offer when would you be able to deal with it right and then the, the, the agent might might say oh i might not be able to deal with it for 48 hours 
And then that's when you start to ask him certain questions. Well, you know, one of my things I always say is, well, we have DocuSign. Why, you know, why couldn't you deal with it over DocuSign? Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of go back and forth, but you want the shortest time possible. Right. Now, when I say short time, I'm not saying two hours. I'm saying you want to deal with it that day. That day. Right? That day. And really quickly. So it's different than a bully offer then. Yeah, it would it would be. A bully offer um, A bully offer would be an example when there's a set offer time and you're bringing in an offer before that set offer right. time. This this is, I, I'm, I'm referring to, you know, Properties that do not have set offer times, maybe they've been on the market for you know four, five, six days, mm-hmm. um, and and they don't they don't have that opportunity. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, some real estate photos that are distorting reality. That's coming up next here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Last go round here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfie and Philip Golfie, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. You can call them at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. RobGolfie.com is the website. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. And they're all over social media. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to download the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So uh, pick Pictures paint a thousand words. We know that. That's an old saying. Uh, we have virtual tours. We have uh, listings online. Uh, but apparently, in some cases, the pictures look amazing, but the real life is a little far off the truth. Yes. Um, so I guess there was a, a, a listing. I'm not sure where this listing was, uh, Rick. This was in Toronto. This was in Toronto. So, so basically, the, the, the somebody that- dressed up the listing. Yes. And to make it look like what it wasn't. Right. Now, now, it, you want people to look at the house, but you're getting the wrong people. So mm-hmm. so what they did is they had pictures. This is a picture of a living room, and it looks great. Like, you know what I mean? It's got nice area carpet, yep. nice window, everything. It looks like, hey, wow, this looks like a nice, clean, mm-hmm. you know, but up, reality, up to date. Up to date. <laughs> but it, in reality, it, it was a gut job. Yeah. So, so really, the, the agent misled the consumer. That's what it's all about. So now he's wasted other agents' time. Other consumer consumers to view this property, go there, make an appointment to view the property, and it's not what they saw yeah. in the pictures. Now, the realtor, I'm going to tell you, like he's I, I'm obviously an amateur. Now, if if you have a house that's a fixer upper, you want to target the people that aren't afraid to fix homes up. Yeah. You don't want a couple coming in looking for a house that's all renovated, and then they find out. Like like it, on the, on paper it looks renovated, you know the remarks saying hey beautiful you know home in great family friendly neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They walk in and, and it's, it's it needs a total gut that you just got the wrong buyer there. Yeah. You got to target the buyer that's right for that right. house, and that, and that's what that, that's what this real he can get in trouble for this. Yeah, I'm not sure what the strategy was here. I, I guess the strategy is. Uh, get as many eyeballs on this property as we can by showing it off yeah. like we are. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is w- all the people, or at least probably most of the people who are going to step into this house are going to think, this is not what I expected. And the expectations just go, you know, through through the floor. Rick, I'll tell you, you're right. If there's a telephone pole in the middle of your, in the front yard of your property, like right in the middle, 
you can't take it out of the picture. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's part of the house. Yeah. It's so like you can get in trouble for that. Our real estate boards they have penalties uh, against that. And and this I guarantee this this one here that was uh, advertised like this because it hit it hit the newspapers. Mm-hmm. He he's in a little bit of trouble. I think the, I think the argument to be have here is is people say that they could just buy properties online, or people say that they could just you know look for a property online and, and, and buy it without even going through. Right. So what, even even whether it's a condo or whether it's a, a, a detached house or whatever, this is a, you know, a direct example as to why you cannot do that. And, and you know, there's these auto buying systems that are, are in the United States right now where, you know, pu- you know, you have these companies automatically buying these properties up without going in them. This is a result of why the system will yeah. not work. This is total and, buyer and, and there's another there's another article that came out and you know this place looked good and everything was clean and but when they went in the basement it was rat infested. Yeah. Right. So the the main floor was all clean and the area was nice but it resulted in you know a six hundred thousand dollar kind of price swing given what what happened like mm-hmm. the house needed to be torn you, down you want to tell and people you, this you is either cannot. a tear down or yeah. a renovation yeah. so yeah. guess what you eliminated all the people that can't do that yeah. and you're going to and you're going to get the people that can so you're tar- target marketing the, to the right people so the, this guy here you know he thought he was doing a great thing you know he goes oh wow i'm going to get all these showings but every Everybody who went, came in was like, "What?" They were disappointed, you know. <laughs> yeah. They were, uh, and there were more, and some of them were more disappointed because they probably came in out of town to look at that. Yeah. yeah, with technology the way it is, with the online world and the popularity of people going there first to check out listings, mm-hmm. uh, have you encountered any? Uh, sight unseen buyers, or, or and if not, do you expect that to increase? I think we've had uh, in all the properties we sold. I think we had two or three in the uh, over twenty years of people buying a property sight unseen. Wow. But we make them sign a disclaimer, uh, everything, and bigger deposit. Again, bigger deposits. Because yeah. um, you want that guarantee, right? Well, you know what? Like, we don't want them coming. And, and it's not... Like, pictures uh, do look different when when they actually see it physically there. Like, sometimes, hey, these pictures, you know, look... The home, rooms look bigger, but when they're in there, like, whoa, you know. But they have the room sizes. They mm-hmm. have everything. Sometimes you do video tour, yeah. you know, all that. I, I mean, like, there's more now that are being bought uh, without seeing than it was 10 years ago because you got better technology with videos yeah. and, and cameras and floor plans and all that. But again, it's like, I mean, what it feels like when you're in there versus what it looks like, it's it's mm-hmm. it's different. I, I see it continuing to rise because when you have, you know, the millennial generation, neither one before that, they're more apt to buy things sight unseen. You know, yeah. the Amazons of the world, yeah. uh, you know, all those online marketplaces, you don't get to try things on or or, or test things out. Yeah. You just buy them and yeah. then figure it out later. You can't send a house back. No, you, you can't. No, <laughs> no. no well, return you policy. You can try. There's no it. return policy on that. Guys, thanks for coming in. Uh, tremendous show. Enjoy the long weekend. You and well. uh, hopefully, weather-wise, it uh, cooperates. We're back next Saturday at 9 right here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML.